You got me? Test. The Bills are going to win a Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> I'd have been run out of here two years ago saying that. Heresy. All right. How you guys doing this morning? All right. Look at this. I'm a mess. All right. It's good to be here. I'm Eric Hamilton. Uh, I'm the youth pastor at Real Life Church in Jamestown. And uh, I brought Tim Smart here. He's somewhere around here. He's the one that's kind of equipped me and built me up and pushed me out to try this and just to seek what God has for me. So if it goes wrong, you guys can stone him after the service. I brought the offering. <laughs> you offer the sacrifice, right? So um, I just want to let you know that the Lord has just been speaking to me and challenging me and really working me over in a good way. And I just want to share that with you. I want, when I'm challenged, I want to challenge you guys as well. Uh, it's been hard. It's been real hard for a lot of people for a ton of different reasons. I would say that 2020, they're like, he's not going to talk about that again, is he? You know? uh, but 2020 was one giant global altar call, right? Like, it doesn't matter how you look at it. It was a mess, right? 2021's pretty weird. There's a lot of things going on in the world. And in my spirit, I'm just groaning in my spirit, contending for our nation, for just all kinds of things, and, and righteousness and truth and justice and all the things that I know that God stands for. And I'm just lost sometimes. I'm like, I just don't get what you're doing, God. Like, I just don't see your hand in this. Where are you? Right? So has anybody been feeling beat up, a little confused, wondering, like, God, where are you? Right? There's just so much that God stands for that we know. We know that God stands for this stuff. And we're just eager to see him move. I have come here to tell you today that this will be the church's finest hour. This will be the church's finest hour. God is not dead. He is not hiding. He is not silent. And the Word of God is unchained. Nothing can stop what God is going to do in these people, in these churches, in this nation. So the word that the Lord brought to me and, and kind of worked my spirit through was First Kings. Uh, just to set that up a little bit, um, I, I really believe that God is raising up lions. And, and that you couldn't have planned that better for what I want to talk about. The youth here. Those were senators, congressmen, lawyers, doctors. These are people that are going to go out with the heart of God. Good kings, good leaders, good shepherds that will go out and bring this world back to God. Right? I, I, I speak it out. These, these children, God is raising lions. He gave me that word years ago, and that's why I'm in youth ministry now. I believe that they're in the fight of their lives. The world is trying to tell them who they are, what they are, how they're going to do it. And we need to understand that we're the children of God. We set the rules. He sets the rules. He's anointed us. He's opened the gate, and we have the authority to lead. Those, brothers and sisters, are our leaders. So... 
He is raising fire-breathing pastors and preachers and teachers and prophets and people that will stand against the coming darkness, and we will push back because we are called to do so. So, uh, take heart. God is with us. He is, he, is, he is more than able. He's got grace for days, and he's going to get us through it. So, if you're a flipper or a scroller, I'm going to let you get uh, ahead and find it. We're going to go to 1 Kings uh, it is 1 Kings 18, uh, verse 20. I'm going to throw a lot of Bible at you, but you know what? It's the Word of God, and <laughs> this is Elijah's Mount Carmel victory. We'll set it up really quick. Last week you talked about being friends with Jesus, right? I think that's what it was, friends with Jesus. So being friends with Jesus, there's an obligation to follow Jesus' laws, Right? You need, if you want to be his friend and you want to be close and part of the family, you have an obligation to step into that, hold the line, and obey his commands. Right? I want to talk to you today about survival or revival. Right? The church has been living on scraps for so long. We have been content with so little for so long. And, and it's not an indictment on you. It's the global church. God has all the resources, right? In our hearts, we convince ourselves or we allow the world system around us to tell us that survival is the way that we get by. We don't like how things are going. We don't like how it looks out there. I'm just going to survive. We'll make it through. We'll pray. We'll push through. But God, his heart is for revival, and he moves through his people. So if we're just surviving, we're not reviving. All right? So, 1 Kings, setting that up. Elijah, you all heard about Elijah. That man, he was a prophet of God. He called fire from heaven. <laughs> that guy is he's amazing. I love reading about it. He was doing miracles. He was following God. He was a Hebrew prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. His name means Yahweh is my God. The greatest miracles yet to come. Because as we read this, I want you to be thinking about his transition from just merely surviving to bringing revival. In Israel at that time, Ahab was the king. He was a wicked king. He took Jezebel as his wife. They brought in all of their, their, their prophets. They killed all of the prophets of God. Elijah was the only prophet left, the only one standing. What a scary place to be. He literally was living for survival. He was running for his life from King Ahab until God kicked him in the pants and told him, go, I want you to show your face to King Ahab and I want you to, to go to Ahab. He's like, I'm running for my life. I'm the last one alive. And you're going to send me the guy that wants to kill me. Right? God says, you're living in a life of survival. And now it's time to live a life of revival. It's scary. He steps out. Elijah goes. They've got their, their, their king, uh, King Ahab and Jezebel have reduced the altars of God. They have destroyed the altar of God, and they have raised statues to Baal all over the land on the hilltops. Baal is the god of fertility, lust. He is of desire. Uh, is an all-powerful god that gripped the Phoenician and, uh, and uh, uh, Canaanite god. 
He had them doing sacrifices. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Morality was at its low. There was all kinds of fraud. There was uh, corruption. And you know what? It was exactly, I, I think it was very fitting to what we see around us. The institutions are failing. There is darkness pressing in on the children of light. Right? It's not, you don't have to be scared of that. It's just the reality. It's how it is. Depravity creeps in when darkness rules. In that time, God said, I have had enough. Verse 33 in here, it says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of Israel to anger than any other king of Israel who were before him. So times were very, very bad in Israel. So the church was split. You had people that were loving God and following God, following Baal. They were, you had people hiding because they would be killed for loving God. And, and revival was on the horizon, but nobody could see it. So we're going to jump in. It's kind of long, but it's the Word of God. So if you want to follow... First uh, Kings 18, verse 20, Elijah's Mount Carmel victory. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bowls and let them choose one bowl for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. I'll prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods. I'll call on the name of our gods. And God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves, prepare it at first. You are many. Call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them. They prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there is no voice. No one answered. And they leapt about the altar which they had made. It was so... And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them, the last living prophet of God, in a place where he wants to, they want to kill him, is mocking their God, which is a national God. So he mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he's God. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud. And they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives, lances, using the uh, until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came to him. And they repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. That, with, then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs a seed. And he put the wood under it, or wood in order. He put the wood in order. 
He cut the bowl in pieces. He laid it on the wood and he said, fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that you are Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized him. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and executed them there. Love a happy ending, right? Oh, so listen, that's a whole lot of scripture. But you know what? There is just so much to unpack in there. There's so much truth. Verse 21, Elijah's got a message for all the people. One thing the church needs to know, we need to know, and we know it, but we just need to be reminded is that this message that God, let it be known that God is Lord. Amen. That is a message for everybody, everyone. It can't be silenced. They said the word of God is unchained. There's nothing. His word will not come back void, right? The message needs to go out. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the light of the world, the city on a hill. We don't belong under a basket. You have authority and you have been given a voice. The other thing is when he calls them out and he says, how long will you be between two opinions? I think that's so telling of the world right now. They are trying to soften the message of the gospel. There, there are people that are out there actively trying to mute the voice of the church, to mute the voice of the Lord through his people. You have power. His word will not come back void. Do not stop telling the world about that. And you stand on your side and you choose the Lord who is God. And you let them choose. But never stop approaching that. Never stop telling the world who is God. When Elijah was standing there, we're talking about a man like, I just, when I read this story, I think about what if God didn't show up? Like, what would have happened to Elijah if God didn't show up? They, they wanted to kill him anyway. But he went into this with this great expectation of glory, of power, of authority, and boldness. I mean, I think he was crazy, but he, but he did it, and God responded to that. There's something powerful to that. When you step in in authority and boldness and take a risk for Christ, travel to Africa, 22,000 churches respond. You know what I mean? 
God does amazing things when his people dare to trust in his power and authority. And you know what he loves doing is showing the world who's God. And I love showing the world who's God. And I want him to use me. And I want to step out for him. But it's scary. So sometimes it is one man versus the world. Or one woman. Or one person. Or one Christian. It is one person versus the world sometimes. Because they do not see. They do not hear. They do not have the eyes to see God as God. Another significant thing in here that I want to pull out is there is in verse 30... When he drew the people in, it says, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I want to encourage you, whatever that looks like in your life, to repair the altar of the Lord in your circle. What's that look like? I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, In my house, repairing the altar of the Lord is being a Christian godly husband who leads. Uh, and, and, and has compassion and love and, and follows the Lord uh, in my job and in my circle. It's standing for principle and truth and justice and integrity. Uh, repair the altar of the Lord that the world has consistently kicked over. We cannot allow that to happen. And, and we have so much authority and power in that place. to Just wherever that is in your life, repair the altar of our Lord. I love the idea that he poured four pots of water over that after he was done mocking them. That's like making a statement for God. There was a drought. There was an incredible drought at that time, and he used four pots of water to soak the altar. Like, what a statement to make. It was beyond, my God can light a wet altar. It's the most precious thing in that place at that time was water. But he gave it to God. He's like, like, I'm going to make a statement. They're going to notice this, that, and the fire. They're going to see it all, like everything. So go out of your way to serve God with zeal. Go out of your way to think big and make a statement for Christ. I mean, I can't impress it upon you enough. You don't have to be some crazy wild prophet that calls fire from heaven, but I promise you, doing what you do, who you are, in what God made you, in the capacity that you can, you will bring fire from heaven into every situation that you encounter. What we need to know as the people of God is we have authority. We have so much authority, endless resources. We have ability. We could call on the Holy Spirit. He is the fire that we need to seek. He is the fire that we're calling down. Every situation you walk into, you have authority. You walk into a business deal or into a room, you're the most powerful person in the world right there because you are the anointed son or daughter of God, the living God. Doesn't mean that you can use it to abuse people. I mean, that's what the whole book of Kings is. It's, it's the people that have fallen and, and lost their way and, and good kings and bad kings. But every time you are called to rule and reign and you are called to rule and reign in the places in your lives out there and that will change the way that this thing is going. It'll push back the darkness and light will come in. God is building his church just like Elisha rebuilt the altar of the Lord, stone by stone. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Those kids, they are stones. They are stacking them. You are building them every single day of their lives. You are teaching them the word of God. You are teaching them to pray. You are teaching them faith. They are warriors, and they will do amazing things out there. I want, so revival, the idea of survival or revival is huge to me. Uh, that's where God was pressing me. Am I just looking at what's going on around this present state in this world right now, and am I just sitting here accepting a place of just getting by? Man, God's got this. Oh, Lord, like fast a couple days and tell the Lord, because I was, I was trying anything I could, <laughs> anything I could to change it. But the Lord was just like, this is awesome, and, and I appreciate you seeking me, but I want you to put your boots on and get in the fight. Like, I want you to get out there and be the change. God brings the kingdom come, but he chooses to use us to do it. We are the vehicle in which God makes change in this world. So when it doesn't change and you can't take it anymore and you're not loving it and it's hurting and it's actually starting to oppress you, we need to step up and push back. Because the darkness flees when God speaks. And we bring the word of God with us everywhere we go. We bring his light. We bring his power and his authority into every inch of our lives. And we need to be that source to the rest of the world. They don't, they think they want a world without salt and light until they get there. You know? And we need to keep bringing that. We need to keep being that. We need to be fuel for that fire of God, the fire from the Holy Spirit. But it starts in our own hearts. So I think one of the biggest things that I want to impress upon us is we need to know this. So you might say, okay, that's great. Uh, I've never called fire from heaven. Uh, survival to revival. We want revival. I don't know what to do. But <laughs> why do you need to know this? Well, you are in this world, but you are not of it. Okay? You are not of this world. You have dual citizenship. You are literally running through, slapping high fives on your way to somewhere better. Right? But you have dominion here. And you have a responsibility that you will be asked for as the church. And you will be asked, what did you do in those situations? What did you do in those relationships? How did you serve in that business or whatever it is, in that church or in that function? Did you bring my authority? Did you step into my anointing? Did you answer my call of what I had for you? Or did you leave it on the table? And Elijah, he was a man running for his life. There was a wicked drought which he proclaimed, or I mean it was proclaimed before, but there was a wicked drought. He's running for his life. The government's in shambles. They're worshiping Baal. The Jezebel and Ahab are crooked. People are in slavery. It's terrible. And here's a man that just says, okay, God, I want your heart. I care more about what you want to do through these people and in this world than what happens to me. And God tells him and he responds and he answers. God will tell you exactly what you need to do. You don't need, you can search it, you can ask God, that's good, but you don't have to get crazy about worrying about what, what your big moment is or what those many moments are. God will bring you to that point and he will tell you. And you have an obligation to step. Move out of survival and towards revival because it is coming and you do not want to be the one sitting back while the rest of the church is getting busy building the altar of the Lord. 
They have been knocking it down for years, and God has been speaking clearly. He is building his altar. He is raising up lions, and he wants his nation, he wants his world, and he wants his people back. I think God's waiting for Elijah's to step up. It's risky. It's scary. I heard it this morning. Someone said it. The risk is so scary. But with God, there's nothing to fear. He will test you wherever you need it. But I'm telling you, God is reliable. He is trustworthy. And he does not change. He is the God that Elijah called to. And he is the God that will answer you. He's still there and he's still in control. Governmental authorities and powers, they're temporal. They have nothing on the authority and power of God. He can do anything. I think it's so significant that Elijah knew. He didn't know revival was coming. But he knew that obedience, confession, repentance... All of that. He knew that that precedes revival. And he knew that what God was calling him to do was going to be big and it was going to be momentous to, to, to build an altar and to soak it in front of those people who hated him and hated everything he stood for. They disposed of God, but he took the risk. So where does this matter? How does this matter to praise fellowship? So recently I say, I don't know, it's probably around Christmas, maybe a little bit before that, your sign outside said, pray for revival. Yeah. I drove past that. I, I, I married a, a Pennsylvania girl. So I was driving back and forth to the family, and, and I saw pray for revival, and I was just like, you know, like, whoo! You know, I was like, something just stung. Something hit me, and it just went deep, and I was just like, pray for revival. I want revival. Amen. I want revival so bad. I, can, I can't even stand it. <laughs> but you know what? A sign is like a business card to me. When you see signs, it's what you are selling. It's who you are. It's your DNA. Business cards tell you who you are, where to get them, what to find there, everything. Your sign says pray for revival. Yeah. So I believe that this house is a house of the Lord and that it will bring revival. I believe that the future for this church is unprecedented, unstoppable revival power flowing into this community, into this state, into this country. I believe that this area, up in Jamestown area, in here, I believe that this is going to be the epicenter. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying thus says the Lord. I just believe that there's just so much broken in New York and in this area that Lord, the Lord wants to use this. He is stacking his altar. We are bringing the sacrifice and he will bring the fire. I want you guys to move forward in this time and I want you to start thinking about where and how revival starts with you. How you can do it. Move out of the spirit of just surviving 
and move into a place where you are bringing revival back to the people, back to the people who have been suffocated, who have lost hope, who don't see a way out, who are broken, who are battered. I'm also speaking right now into the darkness. I am calling back on behalf of revival and the belief that it's coming to all of the unsaved family members that we have, that they're going to be woken up. I'm praying healing over people because I believe God's going to bring it. I'm praying for provision no matter what happens in this nation. I believe that God's people will wear robes. Our storehouses will be full and we will be healthy. I believe that God is going to bring fire. And, and it's risky to stand up in front of people and say that, but I believe it. And I'm, I want to be bold and I want to encourage you. And when I was praying about this, the Lord said, just encourage my people. He didn't even care. I could have chose anything and he would have wanted to speak. But he said, just encourage my people. And I just want you to know that I've been encouraged in my own life. And I want to share that. You guys have authority. You have power. You have dignity and honor and respect. And God sees fit to do amazing things through you. They are going to change the world. It, I mean, it's, this is crazy. They, they are literally the light that's pressing back the darkness. They have no idea what they're facing. We have an obligation right now to start a culture of revival, to speak into revival, to believe it to your very core where it dictates every step you make. If you don't have the Lord, you are going to miss it. You are going to miss out on so much. Yeah. You're never going to be who he made you to be, and you're going to miss that opportunity. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want you to miss anything. Psalm 85.6 says, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? I've come to tell you that revival is coming. It's on the horizon. And just like Elijah, we can't see it. But all we can do is step boldly into what God has for us and just do it and trust that he's going to bring fire. We just, there's a, a verse and, and I, I can't remember the chapter verse, but there's a spot in there that says, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro. And he is looking for those whose heart are pure and who will stand. Today, I'm just begging the people of God and like a circuit rider, I will go to any church that I get the door open to and tell them we need to stand. We need to stand. We are strong and we bring unprecedented power with us because he is unstoppable. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, I just love you and I just thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, I just pray for a clear direction, a clear sign. Lord, just begin to show us the DNA of revival that has been woven through this church. Lord, as a church, not this church, but as a whole church, we have just 
been living on scraps when we've been okay with it. We've just sat back and just let you contend, but you are calling us to the battlefield. You are calling us to stand and call for your power and your authority. Lord, in this service, I pray that you raise up new leaders. Lord, bring people new giftings. I'm calling for giftings over these people that they may see in each other, teachers, preachers, prophets, evangelists, uh, just everything, Lord, just whatever the gifts are that you want for this region, Lord, put them here. I know that you've put them here. Holy Spirit, just open the doors of their hearts and give them awareness and let them know that you've created them to do great and mighty things in this area. Lord, I pray prosperity over this house, God. I pray protection over these people. Lord, you are so good and we promise to take bold steps forward and to look at the places in our lives where you have called us to restack the altar of God. God, we just love you. We praise you and we ask you to just continue to reign in our hearts, in this church, and in this area. You are good, God. And you are worthy. In Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.